Welcome to episode five of Lost in Translation. As always, it is Bobby Martin and I am Sam Perkins. We're coming to you from the WCTV studios in Wilmington, Massachusetts. Bobby, how are you doing today? Doing well, Sam. Great to be back as always. Yeah, a lot, a lot going on in the uh, in the basketball world. You've been watching the uh, the playoffs at all? I am a Philadelphia 76ers fan, so <laughs> and not to say that I don't like the Celtics. I'm just saying that Philly is uh, it's the team I grew up with, and they are out of the playoffs, so I haven't paid much attention. <laughs> is it? Do you uh, when you were playing? You're, you're you're competing throughout the year when you're overseas. Did you still watch American hoops? Uh, while you were over there, or you're kind of locked in on your season and what else is going on in the world is just is what it is? Didn't watch American Hoops that much, um, mainly because it was on late at night or early in the morning our time. You know, this, this might be 2 in the morning, and at 2 in the morning you're probably sleeping. So, no. You paid much more attention to what was going on in your league because you probably had to play that team in a couple of weeks. Gotcha. Um, what about since retiring? Do you watch you watch hoops in the in, now these days or? I just subscribed two days ago when the Celtics won. I think it was two days ago. Yeah. That was the first NBA game I've watched in its entirety <laughs> all year. Just haven't done it. Um, try to keep the girls away from a lot of television. Yeah. Um, so, but I enjoyed the game. You know, it was a really good game. And NBA playoffs are what it's yeah. all about. You know. Yeah, it's it's interesting, uh, you know, with with uh, you talking about is this the changing of the guard? I was talking with someone the other day about it. You know, the, these Golden State teams. Not not that Steph Curry is is old, but he's been around for a while. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's probably entering the second half of his career. Back nine of his career, you got LeBron James is I think thirty seven. Mm-hmm. You know, you keep wondering is someone going to fully supplant him as the best American player in the world, or even just the best player in the world? Period from anywhere, and it seems like that keeps not not quite happening. You know, you know, you I don't know if that's uh, more of a testament to how just freakishly incredible he is, which he is, or you know the the generation of guys that we're supposed to be taking over now not quite being able to fully grasp it or fully live up to the hype. Not that they're not incredible in their own right, but... You know, LeBron is box office. He always has been. He continues to be. And I don't see anybody supplanting him. They're, they're trying. You know, they're trying. Okay, you know, is it KD? Is it, you yep. know, is, is it Steph? Um, they're looking for the next guy, and I yeah. understand it. You know, it's, it's a business. Yeah. But LeBron James? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, mean, I still remember when he was coming out of high school. I never thought, and I mean, granted... I was, you know, I'm only a year older than him, I think, so we're around the same age. So I was, you know, high school at the same time, freshman year in college. But the hype around him was so incredible. Most people, most athletes in any sport just can never live up to that kind of hype, you know. You look at some of the all-time great greats uh, in, in their respective sports, and the hype wasn't, you know, like Tom Brady, there was no hype coming out of, out of college. Jerry Rice is probably the greatest wide receiver. I'm not probably. He is He is the greatest wide receiver of all time. Anyone who says otherwise, anyone who says Randy Moss doesn't know what they're talking about. But no hype around Jerry Rice coming out. He was a, like a 1AA player. Uh, you know, even Michael Jordan, when he came out, he wasn't the number one overall pick. Uh, you know, he was. people thought he was a great player, but I don't think people thought he was going to be the greatest of all time. He was going to be the one to take on that mantle. So. Right. 
um, you know, the, that kind of pressure and hype can be really tough on players. So it's with looking at what LeBron has done in his career, I think he still to this day doesn't get enough credit from from people when you look at. You know. Who else has received that type of hype? I mean, Kareem? I, you know, yeah, I mean, and lived, lived up, up to it. it. Right. So, yeah, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't think anybody has has received that kind of hype at, and in my lifetime, at least, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think Kareem probably got that. Yeah. Like, he changed the game. Yeah. You know? Wilt, um, too, before Wilt, him. Wilt exactly. probably had that. So you've got in, Wilt. In his era, that kind of hype. And, Kareem, Jordan didn't get the hype, and but yeah. LeBron did. So those three guys are absolutely. I mean, if you're talking about the Mount Rushmore of hype, yeah, it was those three guys. Yeah. Two of them have lived up to it, and LeBron so far has. So yeah, I mean, he's I to me and my, personally, Le, my three all-time greatest players in any particular order. I don't know, is Jordan, Wilt, and LeBron. So I, I think people. Wilt Chamberlain, as far as changing the game and as far as... I understand people are like, well, the era is better today. I totally get that. But you can only control the era that you play in. And the reason the era exists today is because it's evolved and it it really started with Wilt. And Mm -hmm. Wilt's a guy that just... He's probably the greatest, most freakish, natural athlete to ever play the game of basketball. When you think he played in the era before weightlifting, he Mm -hmm. played in the era before specialization and year round and the dude at the height of his career was seven one and that was when they were measured barefoot, you know, so he was today a seven two, seven three. He was three hundred pounds and he could dunk from the free throw line with such ease that they had to make a rule because of Wilt that you were not allowed to dunk your free throws. Because it was mm. so, they were like, oh, he's just going to dunk. Can you imagine mm. a guy who goes to the free throw line as much as Wilt Chamberlain in a game getting hacked and was able to just dunk with such ease from the free throw line that they're like, we got to put this rule in place or else yeah. he's going to be dunking 30 free throws again. <laughs> like, <laughs> I saw a video, and I'm pretty sure it's still up on YouTube, of Bill Russell taking the ball coast to coast, yeah, jumping from the foul line and basically yeah. jumping over his defender. Yep. Incredible uh, I've video. seen that, and there, there's a video <laughs> out there of Wilt blocking a shot like where like this much of his arm <laughs> is above the top of the square. Like right. he, I mean, Wilt Chamberlain was just such a physical freak. He was probably the greatest volleyball player ever, too, which people don't realize. He was, But he... I mean, he ran like a four five forty, which mm-hmm. is just at that size. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. stupid. And Arnold Schwarzenegger's told stories about how Wilt is the strongest person that he has ever encountered in his life. You know, and yeah, uh, and, and it's just that he's a guy that literally you could have. He's probably the only one you could have taken him from his era and transported him today, and he could have been a superstar in the in the game today. So you can only imagine with his natural size and ability if he had grown up in the era today and had the advantages of nutrition and strength training and all that sort of stuff. He would probably be a better version of Shaq. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> no. he, he, it was... That's, speaking of Shaq, I had a conversation the night. People need to stop. The new generation needs to stop with these shock value takes of, like, they're a great player. I'm talking about, you know, LeBron's one of my three greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. But, like, with these, this guy today could shut down this guy of yesterday. Like, people were saying, you know, Draymond Green could shut down prime Charles Barkley. Get out of here. Or the the most ridiculous one I've heard is people said that Draymond could defend Shaq 
or that Rudy Gobert could shut down Prime Shaq. Are you kidding me? Like, this was a, an honest-to-goodness thing that I've seen on Twitter, which I guess maybe Rudy Gobert is the one behind it just tweeting off nonsense. But, but Rudy Gobert could shut down Prime Shaq. Have people not watched a video of Prime Shaq? No, I don't even entertain those conversations. <laughs> uh, now, could Wilt do what he did today? Uh, could he do today what he did back then? Absolutely. Could Jordan do today what he did when he played? Yeah. Absolutely. It was it was a different era. Um, I've had the fortune of uh, growing up in Atlantic City, which is very close to Philadelphia. So according to Sonny Hill, the guru of Philadelphia basketball, Wilt Chamberlain, who he always shared stories with us about, is the best player ever to play. So I'm going to stick with Wilt. That was my dad's guy with Wilt. And, you know, my dad wasn't wasn't really alive for LeBron, but he was alive for Jordan. Uh, he played with Dr. J, my dad, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and he said Wilt was, was the guy. So, and I've just, I watch old videos, and it's incredible what Wilt could do back then, wearing the Chuck Taylors that he's playing in. Yeah. <laughs> Dead floorboards. Imagine the endorsements he would get. Oh my goodness. Uh, but I just, I, that to me, when I saw someone saying that Rudy Gobert could shut down Prime Shaq, and it's like Prime Shaq in his prime was seven foot one, 330 pounds. It doesn't matter he didn't shoot threes like today. The guy was such a freakish athlete and so insanely strong at his size. And I've seen him like running the fast break, you know, at that size and crossing over and just you know one step inside the free throw line and just dunking on like five guys and it's like yeah you look at the guys Shaq went up against that couldn't stop him Dikembe mm-hmm. Mutombo couldn't stop him Dikembe was an incredible defender Patrick Ewan couldn't stop him David Robinson couldn't stop him the only guy that could that could play Shaq as an equal and and slow him down was Hakeem during his era right and that's a top five, six greatest player of all time, Elijah Wan, top yeah. ten certainly. Yeah. And he couldn't stop him. He could slow him down a bit. So it's like the, the notion that, I don't know. Dude, it's uh, you're looking at Shaq coming at you on a fast break. It, it gives a new meaning to the phrase, uh, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, <laughs> that's a train <laughs> coming. train right. coming right at <laughs> that's you. That's a train. I, so I've always wondered, and I've always, you know, I've, I've kind of I've, I've picked around a little bit and kind of poked you a little bit, but who are some of the best players that you, you ever played against? So I was fortunate because, I, I, let's see, Dennis Rodman. Um, but if I had to, if I have to go in into my memory bank, I am going to say that the best players I've ever played against have probably never played in the NBA. Uh-huh. Uh, you've got so many guys yep. out there who are really, really good players. Now, I mean, if you look at it on the other side of the equation, I didn't play in the NBA. Yeah. So, um, you know, <laughs> now there's an argument there. But as, as far as guys I've, ha- I've had the chance to uh, play with and against, um, I think I've spoken before about Sabonis. Yeah. Um, there's another guy named Tanaka Beard who was an unbelievable player. Dejan Bodiroga, who I had a chance to play with in, in Spain. Um, Oscar Schmidt, um, yep, the Brazilian I mean, sensation, he could shoot that ball, man. He's what the highest, he's got the, I think, Olympic record for career points and the international record for career points and, like, international plays. 
Probably. That's. I think I read that. I mean, I know that he's viewed as one of the greatest to ever never play in the like basketball players who have never played in the NBA. And mm-hmm. I know he had some opportunities. I mean, what sort of player could he have been is, is tough to say. But um, certainly, if he had come out in today's era where there's more of an emphasis on three point shooting, could have been. I think some, but I think that he's a guy that certainly could have at least been a ro- you know, a, a, a MB on an NBA roster, a rotational guy if he had wanted to. What I've heard is he always never really wanted to leave Brazil. Why? Um, he was living like a king in Brazil. Yeah, that's where he's <laughs> from, you know. Like, yeah. We talked about Sabonis on our first episode, and just you, you watch, you find these old videos of him. That there's a few out there before injury, and just destroying David Robinson mm-hmm. when they were both you know, uh, early 20s, college mm-hmm. age in the Olympics, and just, mm-hmm. you know, at his size and strength and skill ability, but was an athlete back then is... You know, you know who comes to mind? Um, Charles Smith. Yeah, yep. Charles yep. Smith from Connecticut. Uh, yeah. He was a senior when I was a freshman at Pitt. Okay. He is one of the most unbelievable... He had one of the most unbelievable packages I've ever seen. Yeah. Charlie could shoot, he could handle... Um, I believe he gave himself the moniker Mr. Fluid. Yeah. And uh, it was well-deserved. He was, uh, Charlie was really, really good. I thought he was better than Danny Manning. Wow. Did you ever play, did you ever encounter overseas uh, Marco Milic? Not to be confused with Darko Milicic, but Marco Milic, who was the the Slovenian, like, incredible dunker, played in the EuroLeague as, like, a 17-year-old, you know, jumped over a car over there and, Played with the Suns for like two years, but he just. I did get a chance to play against Marco Milic. Um, yeah, he could jump. Yeah, I mean that's the thing I've heard about. I'm I, I wouldn't put him up there as far as no players, but just I mean freak athletes, you know, like Man, you know how many of those guys there are. Yeah. There was one guy named Tony Harris that I played with in the CBA. He actually had a, a couple of stints with with the Celtics. Unbelievable athlete. You've got Chandler Thompson that went to Ball State. Unbelievable. Willie Glass from Atlantic City, yep. my hometown, was at St. John's. Um, these were the type of guys where you just got out of the way. It was going to be a highlight. Yeah. And uh, I've been fortunate, man. I've seen a lot of guys. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we had a conversation ages ago, I think, that, that someone that actually, I think everybody, he's like was like a laughing stock for a while because I've heard he just never was passionate about the game, but someone who actually had a lot of talent was Greg Ostertag. I think he played against at one point. Uh, I don't remember Ostertag that well. Um, he was he was I think he was a Kansas guy. Yeah, he was right? a Kansas yeah, guy. He was, he was a Kansas guy. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not remembering Ostertag that well. Yeah, there, I remember there there were some moments where he'd just do something that's seven foot two, and it would be like, well, like you know, whoa, where did that come from? And Roy Williams talked about, you know, if you could have taken the heart of this guy Jared Hass on their team and put it in Greg Ostertag, you would have had a, you know, all decade type player in the at the NBA level, an all time great. But you know, that I do remember. Um, as far as people questioning Greg's desire to play. Yeah. I think that's probably why I didn't. Yeah, I, I can't remember him too much because the guys that I was playing against were monsters, yeah. man. I mean, Ken Bannister was one of the guys yeah. who was you know with the Knicks back in the day. Uh, <laughs> just a lot of tough dudes. You know, I got a chance to meet Buck Williams. Um, you know, a guy I loved watching growing up. Got a chance to meet Moses Malone. I mean, those were the guys that I was looking at. Have you seen? So we're talking about real hoopers, and then you know. We, Everybody kind of wants to be a hooper, but 
No, you know, you've seen about J. Cole, the rapper, singer, who now his second professional contract, I'm saying in quotes, that he has signed the last year. He played with a new league that started in Africa, played a couple of games in garbage time. Then, then now he's signed with the uh, Canadian kind of semi-pro summer league. It's not the top league in Canada, but it's the second time. And they're already like, uh, you know, oh, well, he's not going to be able to play most of the season because of his touring schedule, you know. What, what do you think about something like that or when you have these teams will sign people kind of for gimmicks? Just it, it's, it's, it's completely a gimmick. He's not good enough to play at that level on his own right. Uh, at any sort of professional level. I mean, he didn't even play in college. Uh, but, you know, when teams will sign someone like that just to, for ticket sales and stuff and to try and move the needle, what do you think about when, as someone that you dedicated your life to the craft, when when something like that happens? Okay, so we're going to take, I'm going to look at both sides of this. Yeah. One, I started off by saying that the best players that I've ever competed against probably haven't made the NBA yeah. for one reason or another. So maybe he's got game. But from what I'm seeing right now, you've played three games with a total of five points. Yeah, at, that was, yeah, that was, at yeah. your position, uh, he's, I'm, I'm guessing he's a guard. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's why I think it's what he's listed at. You okay, know? so I, I was always told stick to your strength area, yeah. all right? <laughs> you know, if you've been to a Baptist church, all right, or you've been to a church where they have a good choir and the congregation is singing. I remember, shout out to Greater Holy Trinity Baptist Church in Atlantic City, New Jersey. <laughs> On Sunday mornings, the congregation would be singing and there was singing and there was one woman, all right, who sang so loudly that she drowned out the <laughs> whole church and she was off key. All right? So Moral behind the story, stick to your strengths, <laughs> right? You know, I'm not walking. Look, I can't sing like J. Cole. I believe that I can carry a tune, all right? <laughs> but I'm not walking out there in front of 30,000 people and starting to sing. That is not my strength area. So, J. Cole, you can probably, uh, you know, let give that spot to some young man or, uh, you know, who's trying to make himself, you know, or earn himself a, a good professional career. Yeah, you know, it's to me, it's like, I get it on the one hand that these teams in these like startup leagues or low level leagues are just trying to sell tickets mm-hmm. and move the needle, um, and and I think that he does that to a degree. But at the same time, it's like you're not a hooper, and I know that he's a he's a solid rec league hooper that people like him. That in mm-hmm. high school, I read some articles that he got cut his first two years, his junior year he makes a team, senior year he's kind of. Um, Sometimes starter, sometimes off the bench. He wrote this whole piece in his. And this is this is where what what level? High school, uh, oh, somewhere in North Carolina. Okay. Um, and then he wrote this whole piece that you know he went to Saint Saint John's for for college. He he thought about walking on. He went to walk out and tryouts. Um, 